All right. So you, where are we got, at? We, we're, we're at, uh, we're at um, Rakim and Tom Petty today, I believe is, is yeah. where we're at, which, which yeah. is, is going to be a lot of fun because um, this is one of those that I don't I mean, I don't know a ton about. I mean, I know some about Tom Petty, but um, Rakim was the one that I knew the least about um, of the ones that we picked in this first like round or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And it was also the one um, for those of you, I guess we haven't announced this yet. We're doing, I ain't no joke um, by Eric B and Rakim and um, I won't back down by Tom Petty. Um, and today, and like, it was definitely the Rakim song was, was the one that I identified with least to start with anyway, like the first time, first times I heard it. I mean, I mean, it's older than many of the other ones we've done too. So it doesn't hit like right in the middle of high school or whatever, which is, which is not quite the same. Um, but I also remember listening to you on according to hip hop saying that Rakim is either number one or two in your all time greatest MC. So, um, and I, I just wanted to ask you why, like, like I, I accept and I have read about enough to know that he is legendary, but um, to hear like a little bit of an explanation why that is um, would be good. The place to start, I think. Okay. So, <clears throat> and so most people from my era who think Nas is the greatest MC of all time. And I am one of those people that right. does feel that way about Nas. Um, most people, from the previous generation feel that way about Rakim the way we do feel about Nas. Mm -hmm. And there's more maybe like viable evidence when we're getting into the nuances and fundamental things about this culture Mm -hmm. as to why people feel that way. And it's valid. I don't believe Nas exists without Rakim for one. And most other people in this culture feel that way as well. Uh, He he, for me, and the best way that I explain this to people, Andrew, it's like, do you know the chart of evolution of man? Mm-hmm. Like, like where they're starting like to stand up? All... Yeah. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not... So I want you to understand, he's a few parts of the chain because he didn't just stand up. He stood up and started running. So it was like he was he was homo erectus and sapiens at wow. once. Wow. Yes. So he's so a transition. He, he is the transition. He is when the craft of MC starts being taken seriously, and he is why. Before he comes along, the DJ, the graffiti artist, the B-boy is in the front. He made the craft of MC come to the forefront. Okay. He's the main person responsible for that. Like KRS-One, Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, Slick Rick, uh, LL Cool J all belong in that category of, you know, responsibility. But he's the guy of those guys. The reason that the craft of MCing is respected at the level that it is is because okay. of him. It starts with him on paid in full. And part of the reason why I started with I Ain't No Joke instead of one of his bigger singles off of paid in full is because I Ain't No Joke is actually how the album paid in full starts off. It's the tone setter for who he is as an MC. And if you hadn't heard the singles, Eric B is president in my melody in 19. 19- 1987-ish it was, then I Ain't No Joke was the first song you heard from this. You didn't hear the singles. And so it's important on that level for listeners who maybe didn't hear Eric B as president or My Melody as singles, which was very few people who didn't. I Ain't No Joke is the first song that you hear on Peyton's Full. 
And so he, it's a tone setter type of song about what you're about to get from this MC. Mm-hmm. And nobody had ever really talked this way before. And we're going to get into some of the nuances of the things that he is actually saying mm-hmm. that has never been said before. And as far as the craft of MCing is concerned, it's probably about 10 to 15 years ahead of the curve. Wow. Yeah. The way the guys are rapping, he's rapping like part of the main reason that they rap that way. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, that... Like that, that makes sense to me. Like that, that he is the, the bridge between, you know, Sugar Hill Gang or whatever. And like the, and the, and the Tupac's of the the biggies of the world and, and and all of them. So he's, he's the one who like moved them from just rhyming the ends of the lines to sticking stuff in the middle. Is that what? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. He's the guy that stuck the stuff in the middle. So let's go to a couple of things. And and I love how you contextualize it because here's how I look at it. He's the guy that ended Run DMC and Curtis Blow and Sugar Hill Games, all the all those styles of rapping. He's the one that ended that, and he's the one that inspired the Tupac, the Nas, okay. the Big, the J. So he is that guy. And there are a lot of guys like that from mm-hmm. his era, but he is the guy. He's a singular he's one. The, okay. He's 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 the one. It's like if we had to pick the guy from that era, that's the one. Shout out to KRS, but it would be Rockin'. Yeah, yeah. All all of them are. I, yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here pretending that I know more than I do. I don't really know. Like I've, I, I know from listening to you talk about it, like that they're important, yeah. but not like from personal experience. So I, I assume that in the future of this show that we will get into all of them individually. Um, yeah. So um, I think they're all, they're all important to, to, to do that. Um, so like, yeah, there, there's, I mean, you, you could, you talk about, the song particularly what what i love is is the horn man like that's that's the the and i ain't no joke that it, for a song that doesn't really have a hook like it doesn't have like a chorus like a traditional chorus like you, it has like the punchline at the end like the i ain't no joke like comes at the end basically of all the verses but it that to me you know, coming from where I'm coming from is the the horn part support kind of drives it forward. It gives it, it's not the point of the song, but it gives it forward momentum. The da 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 da, like that. Is, and then, it, then he scratches it in there, yeah, or the DJ scratches it in there, but like. No, no, no. So you brought up something very important about bringing the jazz part of this musicians write music. And so when you're talking about no, just that, 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 and sticking it in the middle, that's because he understood the composition of music. He's one of the first MCs that actually came from a true musical background, knew mm-hmm. how to play music himself. His, uh, I think his grandmother is Ruth Brown, who's like a very famous and revered jazz musician. So okay. he grew up in a jazz, he grew up in a jazz home. He grew up playing the horn. He actually okay. played the horn and he was a quarterback in an MC. He was actually about to go play college football before he recorded my melody and Eric is president. So he's just somebody hmm. that's supremely gifted, period, too. Wow. Yeah. Like he was gifted in all things. He was a great quarterback. He was a great MC. He was a great he was a graffiti artist first. He was a dope graffiti artist. This guy is super, super intelligent and talented, okay? Okay, cool. Yeah. And so and so when he's saying I ain't no joke. Here's another part of that. He's 17 years old when he's writing that rhyme. He's telling you, no, nah, you need to take me seriously. No, he's 17 years Jesus. old. Yes. He was about to, he was graduating from high school. He was about to go play college football. He was 17 going on 18 years old when he's writing these rhymes. 
So it's very comparable to when Nas is writing Illmatic right. at 16, right. 17, 18. It's like, how is this guy writing this stuff at 16, 17, 18? He's somewhere else. We didn't see somebody go somewhere else until we hear Nas in 90. Most important part, the most important part of the song for me about the historical context of it, just to go to the lyrics and we can jump back into what you have to say, Andrew. He says on the first verse, even if it's jazz or the quiet storm, I hook a beat up, convert it to a hip hop form. Yep. Yep. There you go. That's, and that's what he's doing, right? Style. Right. That's the explanation of the style and the man and the scheme. He's letting you know, he's like, no, 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 no. I know about the slow music. I know about the jazz music. And I can take it and flip it into some rap stuff. I'm that guy. I ain't no joke. And, and that gives me more context for um, what he's saying. Like, if, if you are listening to the song and you do, or somebody that looks like me is listening to the song and doesn't have that context or some of that context, that this is a 17-year-old kid trying to not trying, is proving to everybody that, like, what he has to say is worthwhile. I mean, you know how people are dismissive of teenagers. Like, that's just, yeah. like, and it's a cultural thing, um, regardless of who you are. I mean, it's, it, it just happens. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you, hear, you can hear the song as arrogant a little bit. Like, you can hear it as, like, um, dis, like, man bleep all y'all like and but he's not from what you've just said anyway he's not saying it like that he's saying like you need y'all need to pay attention to me yeah you need to listen like, up because i do have the skill yeah yeah that's exactly what he's saying he's saying like i got this skill and you need to check out my skills that's what it did start as an accident the day that he went to the studio he wasn't supposed to be the mc that was going to the studio the other guy didn't show up or got locked up or something so he ended up in the studio. Oh, wow. Now, now, at the time, everybody's rapping tough and rapping hard. Mm-hmm. And it's that beginning and ending rhyme style that you're talking about with nothing in the middle. Right. So when he's coming to the studio with Marley Marl, Marley Marl is Dr. Dre before Dr. Dre in hip-hop okay. terms. So okay. To put it simple. He's the first all-time greatest producer hip-hop okay. has ever seen. Okay. Gotcha. He's in the studio with Marley Marl and MC Shan. MC Shan is probably considered to be one of the five to ten greatest MCs of all time at the time as well. They're listening to him, and they're like, yo, that's not going to work what this kid's doing. And so he has the greatest producer. Listen to this. He's 17 years old. He's still in high school. He's got the greatest rap producer of all time telling him it's not going to work. He's got one of the best rappers in the game right now telling him it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And he looks at them and is like, nah, y'all don't know what y'all talking about. I want to do it like this. Wow. That's my melody. So when you go listen to my melody, he has a slow flow rhyme style, and he's even doing arithmetic on the track. Nobody had ever done that. They thought it was going to be a total dud. It changed everything. Hmm. It changed the way we MC. It changed the way we look at the MC. And it's because he stuck to his conviction. He literally ignored the two most like influ- influential people in the game at the time and was like, nah, I got it. I'm on to something. Wow. Beautiful. And that's yeah, beautiful. So, so, so we, we can replace that, the, the arrogant word with confident, really. I mean, that's just yeah, like. Yeah, quiet, confident, quiet, steely, confident, 17 years old in the studio with the greatest producer of all time. And he's like, nah, I want to do it this way. That's confident. That's not arrogant. And and he and he had the good and he had the goods to back it up too. I mean that's the other part, right? Like he's he he the the reason that we talk about him is not because he was 
confident enough to say that. The reason we talk about him is because he was right. Yep. Dante, are you playing Won't Back Down? Yep. Yeah, it's I a, love that record. It's still one of my favorites. It's, it's such a great song. That might be good transition right quick. We can get back to the Rock Him song in a second. You already started playing Back Down by Tom Petty. No, I, 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 was, just, I was just messing around because I figured we'd just cut it while you're getting your food anyway. So it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. Okay, I'm back on them. All right. Um, so, yeah. The you want to get back on the rock hammer or do you want to do Tom Petty and come back around? I mean, I'm, I'm flexible. I don't want to dedicate too much time to rock him without getting Tom some proper burn. Cause Tom's pretty great. You know how yeah. I feel about him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk briefly about the, I, th- I, th- I do think before we get into Tom, we do need to highlight like some of the examples of how rock putting these lines together because yeah. um, I know like, We've talked about this before. I think probably I am nearer the top than the in the top half at least of you know middle aged white people that know about hip hop. Like, and I was not super familiar with the song, so I'm guessing that most people listening to this um, that look more like me are not as familiar with how these lines are put together. Um, I mean, I, I know they can grasp the idea that he was the one that moved them from. DMC and Sugar Hill and all of them to Nas Big like to like that that concept tracks right mm-hmm. um, um but like he but he's the first also the first one I've I've seen that did like I I can't quote the line exactly but the, he says something like I'm gonna spark this microphone because the like at the very at the very very end I'm gonna spark this yeah. You yeah. see smoke when the heat is on. I'm no joke. He's talking about like setting a scene of what he's going to do to the mic on stage. Yeah. Yeah. But, he, but, but, he, break, but he, what he does is he, he breaks the line after spark or spark this. Yeah. And oh, so, you're talking about the, the rhyme style. Yeah. The, the way yeah. he's putting it together. Yeah. Like, yeah. and so he's and, and in, a, in a poetry sense of English teacher, poetry sense of the word, like if when you break a line like that, I mean, the, the fancy english teacher term is in jammed lines um but you're, you're breaking a line at a place that is not a natural break like the phrase is spark this microphone right i mean that's like the that's the whole you know verb subject object like it's got all of the parts together but what it does is is it takes it gives you you could be sparking something else too right i mean like it could be uh, a drug reference it could be like he could be um He's turning everything back on, like, because ta- he talks about killing the mic yeah. repeatedly um, throughout the song, too. Not just, um, that's like one of the first couple lines, right? He's like smashing the mic. Isn't that, mm-hmm. am I remembering that correct? So, yeah. So, no, like, it's, it's almost like he's when shut it, everything down and then he's like flipping it back on at the end. It's, it's, uh, it's one of our first, like, lyrical mic performances where the purpose of the song is to showcase his skill set and his skill level, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a part of the song on the third verse still one of the greatest like 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 how far ahead he is he said i'm gonna take you through a walk he said i'm gonna take you for a walk through hell freeze your dome and watch your eyeballs swell that's writer shit you yeah. know yeah 
he's in he's in a place that other guys is just in, Mike. So he's just he's just ahead of his time. He's not he ain't no joke. And, he, and that was one of those records that earned him that respect. Where as an MC, everybody knew he wasn't to be played with. It's like no, 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 no. There's only a couple of guys that even need to be mentioned with this guy. He had set the tone really, really early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it it it. It resonates like Muhammad Ali. Like it's it's that kind of like I'm going to tell you I'm going to kick your ass before I kick your ass and I'm going to do it anyway. Like it's or Larry Bird. I mean, like he is famous for doing that in basketball too. Like the people who like tell you what they're about to do to you and then they do it anyway yeah. and you, there's nothing you can do about it. It's that I, kind I, of thing. I ain't no joke. I ain't no joke. Great reference. I ain't no joke is when Larry Bird showed up to the three point contest talking about who's taking second. That's yep. what I ain't no joke is. It's the same thing. Yes. Like, Same idea. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely. Yeah. I, I, ho- I hope enough of that got recorded. It cut some of what you set out, but I, th- I think we got enough in, in there. While we'll, um, we'll try. I've heard you. As this is a good transition too. I think. Like I've heard you say repeatedly um, that of like the classic rock artists that. Um, you like listening to Tom Petty's pretty close to the top of the list. Um, yes. like, like, where does that come from? I don't know. You want to know what he's, uh, he's got what the kids would call drip. You know what I'm saying? He's got that. He's always had that. There's something about Tom Petty. He's got charisma. He's got swag. He's got drip, whatever generation that you want to take it to. He has that. And he's talented as fuck as a musician. And I think underrated as a songwriter and composer. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, he's that, is that an accurate assessment of him? Yeah, that is an accurate yeah. assessment of him. Like, I mean, I knew about oh, Tom yeah. Petty before, like, this moment in my – not this moment, but a moment I'm about to tell you about in my life. But I wasn't, like, like super knowledgeable about it. I mean, I knew all the songs that were playing on the radio at that particular time. Um, this would have been, like, you know, 99, 2000-ish um, or had been playing. Um, but – um, one of the girls I dated in college was a huge, 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 huge Tom Petty fan. Um, and that was one of the few positive things that I you know, took away from that relationship. We listened, we went to, when we went to see her family one summer, we went, she, we went from Asheville to um, Western Kentucky. Um, so North of Nashville. And so we listened to Tom Petty and um, the Dixie Chicks, which we will also do an episode about um, some other time. But um pretty nonstop the whole time and and it's like you were talking about in the last episode the stones like being great riding music this is this is really good car music it's really good like listening to as you go um music um too um i think hold on can i say something right yeah of course i think tom petty for me somebody that I feel like it's like, no, I can listen to him in the car and in the house because he's diverse mm-hmm. enough and he's got enough um, soft melodies yeah. that it's house music too. Yeah. yeah. He, he can do both. Like he's um, the, as, as a, I don't want to like step on my own toes if we ever, I assume we'll do other episodes that involve Tom Petty songs at, at some point in our life. But um, Tom Petty has like, essentially three major peaks of um i mean he has lots of great albums all the way through the 80s and 90s but um has three like major 
um, what, what people most people would consider peaks. One is um, a record called Damn the Torpedoes, which was 1979, um, which is um, um, his, third, his third album, but it was like the breakthrough one. And then the one that this record that we're t- about to talk about today, though I Won't Back Down, comes from, which is um, called Full Moon Fever, which is 1989. And that's also the one with... Um, two of his other like most um most instantly recognizable hits we'll come to that in a second too and then he did uh, it is also his first solo solo album without the heartbreakers his heart the heartbreakers are his band like um right. like the east street band is like with bruce springsteen like it's the the it's tom petty and the heartbreakers um so it's and then his Ne- the the other solo album that he did in 1994 called Wildflowers, um, which is um, much softer and more acoustically driven, most of it, um, which is a different story for a different day. That was the first one he did with Rick Rubin. Um, so if you've watched like Rick Rubin do interviews about Tom Petty and producing, that's the record that he's talking about um, is, is Wildflowers. Um, Tom Petty is also like we've talked about in previous episodes in the school of songwriters with Dylan and Springsteen. He's like that kind of storytelling coming from like the country folk tradition way back um, rock and roll tradition. Um, His songs are most of them melodically super simple. Um, Most of them are like guitar chord progression, very simple. Um, not all of them, but but many of them are are super simple, and, and I won't back down as one of those two. Um, um, we've we've talked before about the you know one four five six minor thing, like the this song won't back down uses those four as well in a different order, but um, so it's um, instead of he doesn't start with the root, he plays the uh, let's see if I can do this one with the guitar can hear it. It's just the minor first. Okay, so it's six, five, one, and so it's, and the rhythm is, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not, I'm going to butcher the rhythm, but just the. And you can stand me up at the gates of hell, I'll back down. Would you, would you consider him to be a rock and roll minimalist? Yeah. I would. I mean, not all of his songs are minimal, but um, I think of rock and roll minimalists, um, some of them being punk artists, but also artists that whose songs that who have songs that most people can play early on in their playing music career, like mm-hmm. like. Free Fallen is probably the most famous song that he ever did, but also on this record, that was also on this record. Um, and um, that is like, I could teach my you know, 13 year old kid how to play this in five minutes and she's never played the guitar before. That's just like, that's a D and then add this finger and then pull it off. That's all it is. It's that over and over. Yeah. And it's that. And it's that for the um, verses and the chorus too, which is which is bizarre to think about because the the melody and whatever of the chorus and the verses are very very different. 
of that song. Um, I don't want to dig too much in that. We probably will eventually talk about that in more depth on another one. But um, the and this song also got um, this song being "I Won't Back Down" got a different like a new life a couple times in its history too. It was released originally 1989, and it was the first single off that record. Um, but it also um, reanimated itself. They used it as a, a 9-11 response anthem too. So it got played a lot at right, that particular point. Um, and then um, Johnny Cash did a cover of it too um, on one of his like really super old man albums. Like okay. the American something, something. That, I think it was the third one or maybe the fourth one. It was one of the ones where they did in like his 70s or 80s when he was had a very frail voice um and when you have this song like i won't back down you can stand me up at the gates of hell but i won't back down coming from a a guy that is as iconic as that um who is, yeah. with, with it with his voice shaking it i mean he's shaking because he's you know, just older and whatever but like it's it, it hits not differently but it's it's a different it's a different vibe no. for sure no, yeah, the vibe is different, and he's iconic in a different way than Teddy. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I can see all those. So, you, you spoke to something about how these chords that Teddy's uh, riffing off of on his biggest singles aren't that complex. Mm -hmm. So, what's the number one draw, you would say, with Teddy? Is it the songwriting? Is it the voice? Is he encompassing something as a rock star that people are gravitating towards? What's the gravitas? I don't know. He is... I don't know. He 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 is he's certainly like his personality's cockier for sure than than like a Springsteen kind of person. Like I mean he still has the the everyman vibe a little bit, but he is um but like he, th there's uh, an undercurrent in his music that's not in Springsteen's that I know of and not in a lot of others that's um I mean the songs sound poppier like they sound catchier like you can sing along to them but there's there's an undercurrent of anger in his songs that isn't in um a lot of others too and it's not like smack you in the face but it's um but but there's there's like a, a little thing under little undercurrent there. I mean, one of the most famous stories about him is like in the mid '80s he couldn't get a a song to record like he wanted to, so he he punched the wall in the recording studio and like crushed all the bones in his hand, um, and had to and he, and he had pins in his fingers. They got doctors told him he told him he'd never play guitar again. Um, and this was in 1984, I think it was. Uh, clearly, he did play guitar again. But there's that that sense underlying a lot of this too. Like um, the, the "I Won't Back Down"s songs of the world, like "No Screw You" and "Nobody's Gonna Take This From Me." Like this, th there's oh. a little a little of that in there too. Right, he's doing more as a writer than those guys are. Mm-hmm. There's more nuance to his style. There's, there is an undertone. There's a level and then there's an undertone. And he does have more of an attitude. Yeah. But he's, he also... Um, At least to me. He seems like... Not saying he has an attitude. I mean, has more of an attitude. Like, mm -hmm. more um, maybe macho. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't look, I mean, he's probably the least look macho looking rock star in the world. Like ever, ever, but, but, but he has, he, he has that feel like, and, have a feel. Yeah. and like he, the other part of it, obviously we've talked about this with almost all of the artists that we've talked about so far is that he has an instantly recognizable voice. Like, mm-hmm. like you hear, you hear that voice in a Tom Petty. Like it's, there's no, like there's no question Petty. about it. Yeah. Um, so he has that going on as well um he's also i think more... it might be the voice i think it might be the... Mm-hmm. yeah the, the voice is definitely oh, yeah. an important part of it um he also is coming more from the country rock side of things than than springsteen was springsteen is coming from more the folk-ish end i guess and and you hear that like in, in springsteen stuff is like in is very new jersey centric like you hear that coming through like because that's where he grew up and that's what he was familiar with and and tom petty was north florida jacksonville i think i know north florida for sure so um there's the the country and the florida crazy excuse me tom i'm sorry but like i mean there's both of those things going on um that underlie that um, in a way that, and I think so. I think that's one of the reasons you see Tom Petty generally resonate more with people who grew up here, and Springsteen resonate more with people who grew up like New York, Jersey, like that kind of area. They're they're hitting kind of the same vibe, but the the styles are based on where they grew up. So the Tom Petty thing. Can I tell you a quick? You know how I first got acquainted with Tom Petty? No, tell me. So, same album, Rebel Without a Clue, right? Mm. The, the that's, you're talking about Into the Great Wide Open, I think is that's the song that has that line in it. Um, yeah, that's Man. that's a little bit later, I think, but it's it's not this album, what? but it's it's close. What's the album where he had Johnny Depp doing the video? Um, I th- let me look it up. I want to make sure I'm telling you correctly. Yes, Into the Great Wide Open is the one that you're thinking of. Into the Great Wide Open? Yeah, Into the Great okay. Wide Open is the song. Yeah. So I can remember being a kid and hearing that record, which is the record that made me a fan and start digging off into him. And I was mm-hmm. like, who's the cool old white guy that was able to get Johnny Depp to do the video? Because I used to like yep. 21 Jump Street. Uh-huh. Right. And so, you know, sometimes the buy-in about getting new audience, like like whoever did that for him, like that was a great pull to get Johnny yeah. Depp in that video because that pulled young generation, but also hip generation because multi, there were, uh, you know, 21 Jump Street was a uh, multiracial and multicultural. They had Asian, right. Hispanic, black right. on there. Johnny Depp was obviously the biggest star, but we all watched. So that was like some very, very, very sly and keen marketing to get Johnny Depp to do that video. I remember Johnny mm-hmm. Depp having the little black leather on and kicking the motorcycles over in the video. Yep. And I was like, man, I was like, and this guy can sing this song. It's dope. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. he's telling, that's, that's one of his better storytelling songs. Like that's uh, like, he's, he's telling, and as he goes throughout his career, like later in his career, you have more songs of his that are, like he's telling a narrative and into the great wide open is one of those. Um, but um, yeah, it's just. The, so the, so the songs, I guess, I guess we need to 
we need to do a little like pulling them together um, too, that I think from what you've said and from what I understand, they both had Rakim, by they, I mean Rakim and Tom Petty, um, have either pres presently or Tom Petty is deceased now, but like um, have or had a, um, had, had an edge to them. Um, had, and, and not in like a angry, violent way, but in a like, you're not going to mess with me kind of way. So, so yes. So that was one of the cool things really about Rakim is that Rakim never really came off like a gangster, but he still came off like you couldn't play with him, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. like that's the vibe that I got be, from that song. Yes. Very intelligent, very articulate not to be played with, not bang, bang, shoot him up not to be played with. Right. Different ways to, you know, six million ways to die, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's different ways to heal. It's, it's, it definitely comes, and they both come off this way, like as a, like they're, they're going to, I'm using this metaphorically, kill you with their lyricism, with their words, with whatever, not like by punching you in the face or whatever. This is not, it's not a physical violent kind of threat um, in either of these songs. And in fact, um, Tom Petty wrote this, wrote, I won't back down actually after somebody broke into his house. Um, so it was kind of, sort of in, not, inspired by that i guess there's responding to that um so it is so both of them seem like they are um not people to be trifled with i guess yeah and it, it, it but it's like a kind of like a quiet steely confidence like i was no. talking about earlier it's not your tip these guys they don't have your typical bravado for, for, for guys in their culture. Mm -hmm. They're not typical. They're both right. atypical guys. Yeah. yeah. They do typical things that the greats around them do, but, the, mm -hmm. but they're probably, they're, they're both atypical for like their class, weight class and generation. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, to me, that sounds like a good place to stop. I'm not trying to run everybody off, but like, yeah. it, yeah. but, but that I, seems I, like I, a good I, moment right there. Hey, y'all, I wanted to toss in an outro here. Um, so make sure you like and share and subscribe and comment. Um, that helps us with the YouTube algorithm. It helps us um, make sure more people get to see this. So if you think it's valuable, if you um, are down with what we're talking about or whatever. So if you could do that for us, that'd be awesome. Um, we appreciate you. See you next time.